Today on the Craft Room Podcast, let's talk about how to host a group buy. This is episode 33. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Hello, welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm so glad that you're back. And if it's your first time listening in, special welcome to you. First thing I need to say is I may sound a little different at the moment just because I'm sporting some Invisalign braces and I know that it's affecting my S's. So I apologize for that. Should be done with this by the end of the year. Also, I have a little fatigue, but it's fine. I'm all good. And I want to talk to you about group buys, especially how to host a group buy. Now, over the past 20 years or so, I have facilitated and hosted group buys for a tiny group of two, right up to a group of 100 people. And with my biggest group buy of the year about to begin, I thought it was time we talked about how to host a group buy. I'm going to share my methods with you so that if you and some friends are thinking about splitting the shipping on a little craft splurge, you'll have the formula for calculating shipping and currency conversion and all that jazz. But let's start with the basics. What is a group buy? Essentially, a group buy is when a bunch of people get together pull their shopping lists, and one person shops on behalf of the group. The aim is to save money on shipping, especially international shipping, which has become incredibly expensive over the past few years. So if you are someone who enjoys online shopping, has experienced shopping with international stores, you have a little time on your hands, maybe you enjoy receiving and sending happy mail, then maybe hosting a group buy would be a fun activity for you. Hosting does come with a bit of responsibility around collecting and spending other people's money as you make the purchase and distribute the order to the participants. So good communication, math and bonus spreadsheet skills are helpful as well. This is definitely not something you do to make money. Rather, this is something you do to help out your fellow crafters. And I have to say, the most important element in a group buy is trust. Because there's money involved, There is trust involved. The participants are trusting the host to keep their money safe, make the purchase and send their items. The host trusts the participants to pay in a timely manner. They trust the supplier to send the items that they ordered. And everybody is trusting the postal system to deliver the items they've ordered in good condition and hopefully in a timely manner. So let's look at a way that you can be a great group buy participant. The first thing is make your payments to the host on time and provide the information they need to help them get their order to you quickly. It's a good idea to read all the information provided before you ask questions, but if there's anything they haven't covered, definitely ask questions. Lastly, be patient. It takes time to do all the calculations and international shipping. Look, right now it's either super fast or super slow. There's no in between. But in a big group buy like Stamp Temper that I'm about to do, super slow is usually the case. Now, if you are thinking of hosting a group buy, the list is a little longer and a little bit more complex. If your group of friends is local, it's a bunch of you that live nearby each other, then it's really easy to set this up. Get together, have a coffee, write down everything that you want, pull your money, easy sorted. However, if your group of friends is online in a variety of locations spread across the country, it's a good idea to set up a sign-up form. 
It's a quick way to collect all the information that you need for your group buyer without loads of unnecessary emails back and forth. And I'm going to talk about that in more detail in a minute. Know what your expenses are going to be, products, shipping, taxes, import duties, etc. And read over the website's shipping information before you make your purchase. Calculate costs with conservative numbers. I think it's much better to overestimate and then give everyone a refund than to underestimate and then have to ask for more money. Set a deadline for payments to be made and communicate it clearly. Allow time to receive payments so that the purchase can be made before stock runs out. Opt for payment methods that don't rack up fees. I use bank deposit and PayPal family and friends. The Amos host is not to be out of pocket. If someone is using PayPal family and friends with their PayPal balance, there won't be any fees. But if they're using a credit card, sometimes a fee is going to be applied and there's just no way around it. That fee needs to be paid by the person making the purchase, not by the host. The point is that the host should not be out of pocket for the purchase. So one of the advantages of being that little bit generous with a conservative estimate is that it might cover any fees that a PayPal transaction might. And lastly, be knowledgeable about import duties for your country. Here in Australia, you aren't charged any import duties by customs until the value of your parcel plus shipping exceeds $1,000 Australian dollars. If it's a really large order going to go over $1,000, you may need to split it into two orders to keep it under that threshold. If you do that, it is a good idea to leave a note at the checkout process asking for the parcels to be sent separately. Some businesses might see that you've placed two orders and combined them to save you on shipping, meaning very well. And then you end up getting slugged with a really large import duty. So I find that a note at checkout just asking they be sent separate for custom import reasons usually does the trick. My biggest group buy of the year is Stamp Temper. What is Stamp Temper? Well, let me tell you all about that. During the month of September, an online store called Simon Says Stamp has this huge event where they release exclusive stamps, dyes, stencils and more. There is a large collection of their own brand, but also daily limited edition sets created in collaboration with other stamp companies like Mama Elephant, Lawn Fawn, Tim Holtz, Gina Kay, Clearly Besotted and loads more. Once those limited edition sets sell out, and boy, do some of them sell out fast, they are never re-released and are therefore highly sought after. I started doing the Stamp Temper Group buy for some of my crafty friends who really wanted a few of the sets but were wrestling with the notion of paying shipping several times per month. I've got to admit, it feels good to use my online shopping skills to make people happy. Uh, and after running this group buy for several years, it has actually become very popular and I have some great methods in place to ensure that it runs smoothly. One of those is managing signups. So let's talk about how to manage signups. If it's a few people locally, like two or three friends, it's not a big deal. Have everyone write their list down. But when it's big and you've got people scattered about, you can do what I do. I use JotForm. I will link to that in the show notes. You can get a free account, which lets you create up to five different forms. And you can take 100 form applications per month for free. Now, setting up a form is simple. There's a bunch of options over on the left-hand side. And you can pretty much click on them and it drops them into the forms. And you can click and drag things around to make the form look the way you want it to do. 
I create boxes that collect name, address, phone number and email. This helps with communication and also with packaging and getting parcels out to people once they've arrived. I start with an introduction and then a section with text in it so that I can provide all of the information that the group by participants need to know. I make sure that I have dates, prices and rules for the group by in that section. There's different kinds of boxes you can add, single choice, multiple choice where they can choose one answer or choose several different answers. I add uh, these multiple choice boxes for payment methods uh, so they can choose which collab sets they want to purchase, where they can indicate if they want to see the set before they commit to purchasing. That's something new I started doing and I've had to find a way to make that work a little better for me this year. Some people just want to buy it sight unseen or some people might actually not want any of the collaboration sets. They might want something else. So then there's a box that they can type in and tell me exactly what they'd like to order. I also have a few other boxes where they can sign up for my email list. And then last year I added two new boxes. One is for questions or a list of things that they don't want, like things they don't like. So if they're trusting me to shop for them, they're like, oh, I really want the Tim Holtz set unless it's cats or unless it's vintage or unless it's Halloween. So they can tell me the things they're not interested in. And that helps me make a decision on their behalf when those collab sets are revealed. The other is a rule that items purchased in a group buy cannot be returned to me for a refund. Like As I said before, group buys aren't something I run as part of my business. It's a completely separate activity that I do for my fellow crafters. Returning items to overseas stores, it's expensive, it's time consuming. So in a group buy, all sales are final. The most important, though, is the final block, which is compulsory to check or the form cannot be submitted. And I recommend if you're setting up a form, you make some of those boxes compulsory to fill in so that you get the information that you need. And that is that they agree to complete their purchase so that I'm not stuck with product and I'm not out of pocket. When somebody fills in the form, you receive an email with all the details. They receive an email with all the details and I pop all of them into a special folder in my, in my Gmail account so I can find them and communicate easily with all group buy participants via reply email. Now, each time I run a stamp temper group buy, I refine my methods to make it easier each time. And if you decide to host a group buy, you can do that as well. It does not need to be perfect first time, but if you think of a way something can be done better, you make a note for yourself for next time. I keep my notes to self in a Trello board, which I will link to in the show notes. You can get a free Trello account and I keep in there other things like form emails, wording for job forms, sign up forms, uh, payment details, and I adjust everything and then I just copy and paste. It saves me a lot of time. The next thing we need to talk about is how to do the maths. Look, there's a lot of maths here. And if you're thinking about doing this, I encourage you to get your calculator out and do the maths along with me. I'm going to give you a few examples. And then at the end of an overall, assuming you're in Australia shopping with a company overseas, I'll give you a calculation that you can use. So I have this tried and true method for figuring out what items are going to cost and I'm able to make calculations with relative ease because I do this for my business at least once or twice a week. It allows me to keep an eye on the currency conversion trends and changes in international shipping. So I have already got the systems in place. Let's start really simple. 
let's imagine that we have a small group and we are going to have Australian shoppers shopping with an Australian store. This is nice and easy. There's no currency conversion needed. So it's a simple matter of figuring out how to split the shipping. If everyone in the group is buying an identical item or spending an identical amount of money each, then post can simply be split evenly between all participants. However, it doesn't always work like that. If each person is spending a different amount of money, splitting the postage is a little bit more complicated. It's not super complicated, just a little bit. In this situation, I would simply take the cost of the postage, the shipping, from the Australian store to me and divide it by the total of the product purchased. So this gives me a figure that tells me how many cents worth of shipping have been spent per dollar worth of product purchased. I know that sounds really confusing, but stick with me. Let's say, for example, I have purchased $350 worth of product and shipping is $19.80. That's, that's average in Australia for a big box. That's going to give us a total of $369.80. Now, I could just divide that by the three people, but that's not necessarily fair if they're all spending different amounts. So what I do is I take the $19.80 worth of shipping, divide it by $350, and that gives us 5.6571 cents of shipping for every dollar spent. That's complicated, so we're just going to round that up to six cents. Now let's say we have three people in this group buy. Jane spent $200, Melinda spent $100, and Gillian spent $50. How do we figure out how much each of them pays for shipping? very simple. We take each person's total and multiply it by 1.06. So the one is what they spent and that 0.6, that 0.06, that is their portion of shipping. So that means that Jane, who spent $200, will now pay $212. So her portion of the shipping is $12. Melinda, who spent $100, now owes $106, so her portion of shipping is $6. And Gillian, who spent the least amount at $50, pays $53, so her portion of shipping is $3. This totals $371. It's a little fraction over the actual cost by about $1.20. But I don't think we can begrudge the host $1.20 of extra money for all the effort they've gone through to collect the money, place the order, receive it, check it off, and then divvy everything up. I think $1.20 is, is way less than fair. I know they do it, hosts do it for the love, but, you know, we don't begrudge them that little amount. Now, if all of these friends live locally, then there's no postage required from the host to the participants, and they can everyone just gets together and picks up their stuff. However, if it's more of an online group where people are scattered about the country, the host does need to figure out the cost of postage and the participants need to cover that. You can go to the Australia Post website and get some really good information there. There's a shipping calculator that will help you out. Now, let's look at a more complicated scenario. A group of Australian shoppers with an international store. As Stamp Temper is coming up, I'm going to use this as my example. Once again, if everyone's buying an identical set, let's say the Whimsy Stamps collaboration set, stamp and die bundle, then it's going to be easy to split those expenses evenly. However, some people might want the stamp set only, some people might want the bundle, and then maybe someone wants to add an extra stencil. Let's say we have five people in this group buy. Uh, Jane and Melinda, they want the bundle. They're going to spend $42 US. 
Gillian and Susan, they just want the stamp set, so they're each spending $16 US. But Mary wants the bundle and an extra stencil, so she's spending $57 US. In this situation, there are additional steps. <laughs> First, we take the cost of shipping, plus there is going to be an additional $5 shipping to Australia surcharge, and divide that by the total amount spent on product. That's going to give us that cents per dollar figure to apply to each person's spend for their share of the shipping. Our total for everybody's order in US dollars is 173. Shipping's going to be 34.99. That $5 ship to Australia fee is going to be added in there, making shipping 39.99 and when you divide that by $173, that is 23.1156 cents of shipping per dollar of product. Now, 23.1156 is kind of a small amount to round up, so I would call it 23 cents per dollar. Uh, but if you want to be very accurate, then by all means, be very accurate. Uh, I like to make my estimate somewhat conservative. So I might think to myself, I think it's going to be 23 cents, but I know that sometimes things happen. So I'm going to be conservative in my estimate and base it on 26 cents. So what we need to do is take those amounts of people shopping list and multiply it by 1.26. So that's going to give us their product plus their portion of shipping. So Jane and Melinda are now up to 52.92 US dollars. Gillian and Susan are up to $20.16 in US dollars and Mary is up to 71.82 US dollars. Now we need to factor in GST. Simon says stamp charges GST to Australian customers, which is 10%, and that is on top of product and shipping. To add this in, we take the previous totals and multiply them by 1.1. That's the total plus the 10%. So Jane and Melinda are now up to 58.21 US dollars. Gillian and Susan are up to 22.18 US dollars, and Mary is up to 79 US dollars. The last thing we need to do is factor in the currency conversion. Now, right now, the Aussie dollar compared to the US dollar is swinging between 64, 68 cents, depending on the day and depending on the payment method. I do find that paying with a credit card gives you a slightly better currency conversion rate compared to PayPal. So let's say the currency conversion rate is 66 cents with PayPal. We should get about 67 cents if we're using a credit card and we, we want the best one we can get. However, when I'm usually collecting money, it's days in advance or sometimes it's weeks in advance and we just can't know what the dollar is going to do. So again, I play conservatively. So in case the dollar drops on ordering day, let's go with the worst case scenario of 64 cents. We're going to use the card to get the best rate, obviously, but we're going to divide each person's total from our last lot of calculations by 0.64. When I do that calculation, sometimes those numbers are really random. So what I do is I round them up to the nearest 25 cent mark. So Jane and Melinda are now up to $91. Gillian and Susan are up to $34.75. And Mary is up to $123.50. And that is Australian dollars. If the group is local friends, no postage needs to be factored in. But if this is an online group like what I am going to do, then I will need to factor in the shipping from me 
to them on top of those prices. Now, I'm lucky I do a lot of shipping, so I can look at a product and know exactly what it's going to cost to ship. Um, but again, you can use the Australia Post website to do those calculations. Once that purchase is made, you're going to know the cost of shipping. Like if you're just shopping once and that's it, it's done, you're going to know the cost of shipping and you can get that exact cents per dollar figure. And once the charge clears your credit card, you'll be able to figure out that currency conversion. To do that, it's very simple. You take the total spent in US dollars, divide it by the total in Australian dollars showing on your credit card statement, and that will give you a decimal amount, which is your currency conversion. I usually work with this to around about five decimal points. When you have the exact shipping calculation and currency conversion, you can do proper calculations you know the cost of every item and therefore each person's exact spend so in this case that would be a us dollar cost of product times 1.231156 to get the shipping times 1.1 to get the gst divided by 0.67 that will give your australian dollar total to which you add post if that's relevant now in this case Jane's exact cost of product would be $84.89, which I would round up to $85, just so it's nice and round and even. In the conservative estimate, we charged her $91, which means she gets a refund of $6, or that could go towards her postage if it's needed, or cover any fees that might have been incurred by accident. If you live in a different country, obviously you won't need to factor in Australian GST, but maybe you need to factor in VAT. Maybe your country charges import duties differently. It is best to know what kinds of charges you will be up against before you place the order. A surprise refund, very welcome, but a surprise additional charge may not be factored into other people's budget and placing an additional burden on them or you as a group host. So know your costs. Let's talk about how we keep track of our shopping. If you're only shopping once, nice and easy. If you're shopping like 35 times like I did last year, a little more complicated, but you won't be doing that first out of the gate, so it's fine. First thing I do is write things down on a piece of paper, but then I use a spreadsheet to keep track of the orders. If you don't have Excel, you can use Google Docs. That's what I do. And if it's a single order, that's nice and easy. But if it's a larger order or multiple orders, it becomes a little more complicated, but it's still doable. You want to keep track of the date you placed your order, your order number, the items you ordered, how much they cost each, the total of your order, any fees, taxes, shipping. Write down that currency conversion rate and what it comes to in Australian dollars. Spreadsheet can be set up straight away and then adjusted when the amount clears on your credit card, thereby giving you the exact amount that each item costs. You can also set up some functions, like to do all the calculations for you in a spreadsheet. Oh man, does that make calculations fast and more importantly, accurate. There are loads of uh, tutorials that online that will show you how to do that. My best piece of advice when it comes to doing all of this is start small. A small group, small number of items in your cart definitely makes it easier your first time hosting a group buy. Now, even though I've been hosting group buys for decades, I still learned an important lesson, unfortunately, the hard way during September last year. So in 2020, I had 52 people join my group buy. We shopped for five collab sets plus general shop stuff. 
but in 2021, it got a little out of hand. I had 110 people sign up. We shopped for 19 collab sets as well as general shops. So that was twice as many people, almost four times as many collab sets, limited edition sets. 100 people followed through with their purchases. That was a lot. And I shopped 34, maybe 35 times. And we spent over 20,000 Australian dollars. Now, every single one of those orders had to be seen to. I have to check the order, calculate the estimates. I send an email detailing their prices, how I calculated it, their payments and payment details. Then I have to receipt all the payments, attach receipts to order forms. And then nobody knows which day each of the sets is going to be released. So I have to be at my desk at release time every day, just in case. And as soon as it is released, I need to get screenshots, send photos of the sets to the people who want to see it before they make a decision. Then I have to monitor my email for replies as well as DMs, while also keeping an eye on the shop and making sure that those items aren't selling out too fast because I need to make the buy before things sell out. It is a delicate balance. Then once the shopping's complete, all the order forms are bagged and I place them in alphabetical order into a box in preparation for the boxes of product to start arriving. So as those boxes come in through the post office, they need to be unpacked, checked off, and then each product placed into the appropriate bag with the order form and checked off on everybody's order form. Correct calculations need to be applied to every order form. Refunds need to be made. And then once everything has arrived for each individual order, it has to be double checked, packed, shipped and a tracking number sent. All of that times 100 is an enormous amount of work. And what I learned the hard way is that boundaries are important. And as much as I want to help everyone with all of their favourite collaboration sets, I am only one person. I have to be sensible and also recognise my limits. Uh, so this year, I'm returning to a smaller number of collaboration sets. I'm only going to have seven shopping days and I'll be limiting the number of people who can join. I will also adjust a few things in my emails that I keep in my Trello folder so that I can be more efficient this year. I'm even going to set up a Facebook group specifically for the group buy, open to participants only. And my hope is that that will make for quicker communication at release time and people will be able to see the sets a little bit more quickly. So I know that all sounds really intense, but when you start off small, just shopping for a couple of friends, it is super achievable. My second piece of advice is around communication and information. There is a saying I heard once, disappointment comes from unmet expectations. And I 100% believe that to be true. I am super transparent about exactly how I do calculations, when orders have been placed, when they've shipped, when they arrive. If I make a mistake, I own up to it and I make up for it. I make it right. It is really important to set expectations around how long it might take for items to actually arrive and keep everyone up to date. Think about that time you got stuck on a train and there was no information. Frustrating, right? So if there had been regular announcements, keeping passengers up to date, there'd be less anxiety and stress and frustration. It is the same with a group buy. It is so important to keep your participants in the loop because without that up-to-date information, one's imagination tends to go a bit wild. Some common worries are that the host has taken their money and run off or that the product has sold out, the parcel has been lost, or there's some other tragedy. 
But if you keep everyone up to date on what's happening, they don't have to wonder. A host who provides loads of information, who follows through and gets the job done to completion, earns a lot of trust and people will be happy to shop with you again. So if you are thinking that you might enjoy the thrill of shopping with other people's money, receiving some fun packages, sending a load of happy mail, then you might like to try your hand at hosting a mini group buy. I would strongly encourage you to get together with a couple of friends and give it a go. If you have any questions, please do reach out to me. I 100% would like to answer questions. I would love to have some other fantastic, super trustworthy group buy hosts so that when people want to buy something that I'm not buying in my group buy, I can direct them to a group buy host who is making that purchase and they can join their group buy. Now, I know it's a lot to digest. There was a lot of maths in there. I'm sorry about that, but maths is key when you're doing a group buy. I hope it hasn't put you off. I hope that it has just given you an idea of what goes into a group buy. I will be opening mine up very soon. So if you're looking for information about my stamp temper group buy or any future group buys I do, I do them for Ellen Hudson collabs sometimes, as well as Kindred Stamps limited edition sets, then you can get onto my email list or follow me on Facebook. I'll put all of those links below and in the show notes and in the blog for you. And you can get in touch about those. Meanwhile, I wish you happy shopping and I hope that maybe this stamp temper, and I'm not an affiliate or anything. It's just something that I do. I get zero kickback from stamp temper. I just, um, it, it's just a fun activity. I hope that you find something that you love and I wish you happy shopping. Bye for now. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.